Welcome to Think Again, a podcast by Macquarie Asset Management, providing financial advisors with a fresh perspective and innovative insights designed to keep you and your clients a step ahead. Thank you for tuning in to Think Again. I'm Denise St. Ivany. We are kicking off 2024 with our good friend, Greg Gizzi, who is head of U.S. Fixed Income and head of Municipal Bonds at Macquarie Asset Management. Greg, welcome back. Thank you, Denise. So today we're discussing the key topics from our recent 2024 outlook, actionable ideas for a world in transition. Looking back, 2023 seemed somewhat challenging for bond managers with the Fed aggressively hiking interest rates for much of the year, but we continue to see optimism in the muni bond market. Yeah, Denise, I think that really sums up last year, which I really look at as a tale of two years. There was the year prior to what I would call the Fed pivot, which occurred in the fourth quarter, and we had a substantial change in performance in the marketplace in the last 10 weeks of the year. And just to put it in perspective, on October 19th, if you looked at the U.S. Treasury Index, uh, that was printing a negative uh, 3.1% return. And by the end of the year, we had closed with over a 4% return in Treasury. So a dramatic shift in the psychology, and that was brought about by a change in the expectation on behalf of the Fed for what the rate picture will look like in this coming year. We know that the volatility can create opportunities for investors and specifically for municipal bonds. So these pockets of opportunity are especially important for active managers. So what should active investors be thinking about for over the course of the year? So I think you have to go back to last year. And uh, one of the things that you definitely heard from our team through the course of 2023 was a theme you can afford to be early, but don't be late. And uh, the, the the fourth quarter proved that out, um, where our main index, um, which had was looking at a, neg- a second year of negative return, uh, printed over a almost a six and a half percent return in the IG index, and the high yield index uh, printed a nine point two one percent return. And again, a lot of this occurring in the fourth quarter after the Fed signaled to the marketplace that they could have potentially been done um, due to the fact that the data series was starting to turn in favor of getting keeping inflation controlled and um, not only that, but keeping the employment picture uh, from uh, completely collapsing, which is which has not happened. Um, but I think that you know there has been this temptation by investors to look at the inverted yield curve in treasuries and say, I'm not going to figure this out. I'm not smart enough. I'm just going to put my money in two-year T-bills and worry about it. And I think if you go back historically and you look at the periods in which the Fed stops rate raising rates, there are significant gains in the ensuing period after that happens. And as I said, the fourth quarter, our belief is affirmed is that you have seen the peak in rates, that October uh, was the high, uh, and that the Fed very likely has done their last uh, their last interest rate hike. And la- in, in fact, at their last update, the uh, summary of economic projections showed that their expectation for the mean Fed funds rate had fallen uh, down to the four and five eighths level. So um, I think what people have to realize is that um, we are in a significantly different yield environment, even with the rally that we saw in the fourth quarter, 
where from a historical perspective, there is still ample, ample opportunity for investors uh, to capture very attractive yield. Um, and I'll say this, I, th I think if we look at where we are today after that significant rally at year end, um, a lot of uh, early analysis is focused around, uh, are we going to give some of this back considering how quickly and how voracious this uh, performance was? Uh, and I think the 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 smart answer is yes. And I and I think as we go through 2024, um, while our expectation is by year end we will see lower rates, particularly in the front end of the curve, as the Fed does start to cut rates and become less restrictive. Um, this is not going to occur in a straight line. And as you note, volatility, in our opinion, will offer opportunity for investors to add to allocations. It's clear you're looking at a lot of different data out there. So given all the data uh, that you're consuming, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the potential of a recession. And if so, the possible timing of one. Yeah, it is the it is the sixty four thousand dollar question, um, along with, as I mentioned earlier, along with the uh, the markets trading well late in the fourth quarter. And um, certainly the employment data continues to be, be resilient. There is the expectation or the hope by some people that we will see the Fed execute um, what I would refer to as a black swan event, a soft landing, which is very difficult to do. Um, we don't uh, share that view. In fact, our base case is that we will see a recession in 24. Uh, we are not looking for a deep or protracted recession. In fact, I think it's going to be short and shallow. Um, but all of the indicators um, to us show that it will not be different this time and that we will get a slowdown. Um, accompanying that slowdown will be a lower rate environment. Um, and, you know, I think the important thing is uh, from an investor standpoint, is to um, is to use again any any of the backup uh, in yields as an opportunity to add because our con our conviction is that you have seen the height in uh, or the peak in rates in this cycle back in October. So, what about the credit outlook though in this environment? Natural question. Um, you know, first I'll, I'll make a general comment about credit. Um, and we made this comment heading into last year, and we'll make it again. Uh, specifically, municipal credit fundamentally is in as good a shape as it's been in decades. Um, we saw two things occur in the post-COVID period. One was an unprecedented amount of fiscal aid, which had never happened before, both directly um, to state and local governments, and then indirectly to specific sectors within the economies of state and local governments. Um, and that in conjunction with, quite frankly, the dire predictions of what would happen economically did not come to fruition, thankfully. Um, so economic outperformance led to substantial surpluses in the, on the balance sheets of many state and local governments. So when we look at what's called rainy day funds and rainy day funds, think of it as your emergency checking account in your household balance sheet. Um, rainy day funds are at an all time high. In fact, many states not only have their rainy day fund completely funded, but their surplus rainy day funds uh, funded. And just to give you a, a perspective, um, roughly about 12% of expenses um, are now 
um, the, they have the equivalent amount of money in these rainy day funds to meet about 12% of their expenses, which is an all-time high. So uh, it's interesting, and I pointed this out last year during one of these sessions, investors have uh, watched yields rise as the Fed has tightened rates. Um, it's been an uncomfortable feeling seeing NAVs fall as rates rise. Um, but the interesting conundrum for muni investors was you were getting a unique opportunity. You were able to capture higher yielding opportunities at a time when actually credit was better, was not worse. And typically in the past, you've had to bite the bullet and say, I'm going to take a shot at higher yields in my portfolio uh, but understand that I'm taking on potentially a little bit more credit risk than normal due to the circumstance that did not occur in this market. In fact, it's the opposite. So um, we continue to tell muni investors, even if you missed um, the what I'll call the melt up in the fourth quarter, um, we are still attractively priced. If you look at where yields are, from the lows that we reached in the summer of 21. In 10 years, we're still uh, roughly um, 170 basis points um, higher in yield than that period. And in the 30-year segment of our marketplace, AAA paper is over 215 basis points cheaper. So you haven't really missed uh, you know, all of it. Um, and again, we, we don't think things are going to proceed in a straight line where yields just uh, persistently fall as we go through the year. There's going to be volatility. Um, we have a lot of things happening this year which could cause uh, significant volatility in the market, i.e., an election. Um, so I think I think investors are are you know looking um, smartly at those those instances where um, you can pick up um, attractive out. Um, instruments for your your municipal allocations as the market backs up. So then what about, you know, looking at the whole year ahead, you've kind of sprinkled in a few thoughts for the year ahead, but are there any specific concerns you have about the year ahead? And then conversely, anything that excites you? Uh, well, again, what excite, excites me, I'll start there. What excites me is just the the opportunity that's in the market. And I, I don't like throwing a lot of numbers during these discussions, but I think this one will resonate with investors uh, when you think about this. So we took a look at what the um, the period from 2010, so coming out of the great financial crisis through 2020, we looked at the average yield in the index just as a proxy for the mini market and grossed that yield up. That yield was a 414 for that period, 4414. Um, when you look at where that opportunity was at the end of last year, after a significant rally late in the fourth quarter, um, that yield was 130 basis points higher. So that was a 544 for that same index at the end of last year, even with that rally in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we're an active manager. If you look at one of our funds, say the USA fund, um, the yield at year end after that significant rally grossed up was a 787. So another uh, another 240 basis points higher. So um, that is significantly higher than the 10-year run rate of a 414, right? And, I you know, we've seen prices... Um, you know, fall a little bit, yields rise a little bit early on, as we talked about, um, you know, the question after that hard rally at year end, would we give some it back? We are seeing some of that retracement. Uh, and so, you know, you're close to an 8% yield in one of our funds 
um, and, and something that for a decade you got closer to a 4% yield, right? So what excites me is there's still yield opportunity, again, against that strong fundamental credit background. So investors have a good opportunity to add to allocations. Um, the concern would be um, if, if we've got it wrong here. If for some reason, inflation, which is behaving and heading in the right direction, were to derail, we could get it wrong on the inflation call. Um, and, and secondly, um, you know, what always gets the municipal market into the negative performance mode is the outflow cycle. And we had record outflows in 2022 that we've talked about in the past. It did not improve. Uh, from a from a flow standpoint, meaning we didn't go to positive flows, we still had, albeit much much less in outflow, we still had negative 16 billion in outflows. So we put up a 6.4% return in the IG index still with outflows, right? So you're not even getting the major uh, driver of technicals, which is those inflows from bond funds. You're not seeing that bolster returns in the market yet. You're still seeing outflows. So um, if there's something that we get wrong and the outflow cycle were to continue in munis, that would that would be a problem. But we don't anticipate that happening. In fact, we think technicals will turn positive this year uh, and those negative flows will turn positive in a year in which we are not expecting a significant uptick in supply. And that would be the third thing. If we got that part of the equation wrong, if for some reason there was an inordinate amount of supply relative to the amount of cash around, um, that could cause us to underperform. But again, that's not the base case. Uh, we see another year of um, pretty mediocre supply like we saw last year. Well, thanks for sharing your concerns and what excites you. You know, and I, as, uh, as I listen to you lay those out, it just resonates with me that you need an active manager in the space. Yeah, I, you know, Denise, I, I think it probably is worth going over these numbers again because it really does illustrate um, if you have a team that's dedicated in this space uh, to identifying opportunities that generate more income for investors. And, and the reason that's significant is because by far and away, income is the most significant component of total return. Um, you, you are spot on. And, and, and just to repeat what I said earlier, if you looked at the yield of the index last year grossed up, um, that was a 5.44% ta uh, taxable equivalent. Um, when you looked at our long uh, USA uh, national fund, that same fund, that, that same calculation generates a 7.87% taxable equivalent. So over 240 basis points more by a byproduct of not being a passive, in a sense, a passive manager, just replicating an index, but identifying those opportunities that we make our living doing. Uh, so yeah, your point is well taken. I think um, if you have an uh, experienced team that's good at identifying situations and taking advantage of the type of volatility we expect and we've been talking about today, um, that will go a long way to serving your clients in the long run. Well, terrific. We appreciate you joining us today, Greg. Uh, your perspectives are always really helpful to understanding the markets and the opportunities. Thanks again. Don't forget that you can read all the insights from our investment teams and actionable ideas for a world in transition. Just visit DelawareFunds.com slash outlooks to learn more. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on topics from this episode. 
And be sure to subscribe to Think Again wherever you get your podcasts. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs and seek advice. No representation or warrant expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy of completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Macquarie Asset Management is a full-service asset manager offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. The public investment business is a part of Macquarie Asset Management and includes investment products and advisory services distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, LP, a registered broker slash dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment Advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of MIMBT. Macquarie Group refers to Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Asset Management Public Investments distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959. The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of the Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.